This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. And in this episode, the genius who called the CDO bubble warns us about Tesla. After this week's release of its quarterly results, Tesla's share price jumped from $300 to $330. The bottom line for the three months to end June was that Elon Musk's company had burned through $730 million in cash. But that was below the $900 million that Wall Street's analysts had been expecting. Here's how David Kudler, who's the chief executive at Mainstay Capital, reacted to that news. Uh, I guess I'm happy for Tesla that they burned a little bit uh, less cash than expected, but it is still a cash burn rate that is near a billion per quarter. They're down to $2.2 billion in cash, and uh, they're going to have to raise money before the end of the year at the current cash burn rate. So beating expectations by losing a couple of hundred million dollars less than everyone thought – doesn't actually change the reality that your cash pile is still shrinking. Indeed, all it seems to do is slightly postpone the day of reckoning. Certainly doesn't remove it. Bloomberg's Pim Fox and Bob Every asked Cudler where he thought Tesla would get the cash from when it needs more money just to keep going. Well, I, I, what they've said is that they will be profitable in Q3 and Q4. In the third and fourth quarter, they'll be profitable. So uh, revenue, uh, cash from the sales of the Model 3 will be enough to get them through. So that is the question. You know, will they build enough Model 3s in Q3 and Q4? What will be the profit margin on those vehicles? They say that they've turned slightly profitable in Q2. You know, we've got concerns of of really what it costs to build those cars, quality of those cars going out the door, the warranty and other service costs for those cars. Uh, So we'll see. But it it looks as if uh, it's a high-risk strategy to count on just Model 3 revenue to make it to the end of the year. David Kudler, just let me give you a list of some of the things that uh, Tesla's Elon Musk says will help the company turn the corner in the third quarter. Uh, pushing deliveries of produced cars from the second quarter into the third quarter, that also prolongs that U.S. federal tax credit for another quarter. High margin performance model three and dual motor versions plus unlimited free supercharging for performance buyers, but that ends in September. Also, offering that long-awaited $1,500 upgrade for white seats and, yes, laying off 9% of employees. Do you think that that will get them to profitability? Well, in there are a couple of things that will put a dent in profitability. One of the things that you mentioned is they are now starting to offer incentives. Uh, supposedly, you know, we still have the the reservation, a long waiting list, 420,000 orders on a waiting list and, and other demand out there. So why the need to offer incentives? And maybe it's just incentives on these, the, the higher revenue models. And in, in terms of the superchargers, in terms of what they're doing on these certain models, also what they're doing in terms of bringing in workers from around the country, putting them up in hotels, 
paying all their expenses, travel expenses. Uh, there are some very high cost approaches uh, that they're they're using to meet their production goals to get to the production numbers for these uh, revenue targets in Q3 and Q4. So, uh, you know, when you start to dig through that and and, and net that out, it, it, it starts, it really leaves a question as to how profitable they can be in Q3 and Q4, if at all. You're still short the stock? Still short the stock. Not going to cover? Not going to cover yet. All right. Well, shares of Tesla, they are up by 5%, 5%. in aftermarket trading. Do they need to go Good, to Fifth Avenue? Good, I'll short some more. Yeah, right. yeah, I think that Tesla shares need to go to Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody before people start uh, selling. Yeah, up 5% in after uh, hours trading. They actually went up to a total of 10% when the trade opened the next morning or the day after the financial results were released. What the Bloomberg guys are saying is that Elon Musk's popularity amongst his supporters is so strong that no matter what he does, they just keep the faith, keep buying the shares. Well, fair enough, but they're sure playing a dangerous game. And amongst those who say so is Steve Eisman, the expert spotter of con jobs, a man who was immortalized in the Michael Lewis bestseller, The Big Short. Eisman was among a handful of those who profited ahead of the 2008 financial crisis by selling collateral debt obligations, or CDOs, before they imploded. That, in turn, caused the financial crisis, which required hundreds of billions in central bank bailouts. In the movie based on Lewis's book, Eisman's name was changed to Mark Baum. His character was played by Academy Award nominee Steve Carroll, I'm sure you'll remember it when you uh, think back on that very uh, good movie that uh, had us at the edge of our seats. And it's not often that a financial story does that. But here's the memorable scene where Baum, a.k.a. Iceman, has dinner with a slick CDO salesman. This YouTube clip has been watched almost two and a half million times. I'm a CDO manager. A CDO manager. Yeah, Harding Advisors. I didn't realize that there was anything to manage with CDOs. No. Well, we select the securities that go into the CDO portfolio and monitor the assets. I do most of Merrill Lynch CDOs. Do you represent the investors or Merrill Lynch? The investors. You do? Yeah. But Merrill Lynch isn't going to send you any customers unless you put Merrill Lynch's bonds in your CDO. Good question. Let's just say Merrill and I have a, we have a good relationship. You have a good relationship yeah. with Merrill Lynch. We've been doing business together for a long And so the CDOs that you create are of, of the highest quality and the highest value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you at all concerned about the rising default rates? I assume no risk for this products myself, Mark. Okay. So let me get this straight. The bank calls you up. They give you the bonds they want to sell. They give you clients. They give you money to run your business. They give you fat fees for doing so. But you represent the investors. Is that right? Yeah. But we're not in the Merrill Lynch building. Okay. Where we're are in you? New Jersey. You're 20 minutes away. Well, five easy helicopter. Okay. It's funny, huh? That's hilarious. Say that again. CDO A has parts of CDO B. And CDO B has parts of CDO A, but then they both get put inside CDO C. 
Yeah, that one's called CDO squared. CDO of a CDO. All right? And then there's CDOs made up of the opposite side of the bed you made with the Schwabs. We call them synthetic CDOs. What did you say? Synthetic CDOs. Synthetic CDOs. That is fucking crazy. It's not. It's awesome. Let's say you have a pool of 50 million in subprime loans. How much money could be out there betting on it in your synthetic CEOs and swaps right now, tonight? Is it 50 million? Mm, billion dollars. What? How much bigger is the market for insuring mortgage bonds than actual mortgages? About 20 times. If the mortgage bonds were the match, and the CDOs were the kerosene-soaked rags, then the synthetic CDO was the atomic bomb with the drunk president holding his finger over the button. It was at that moment, in that dumb restaurant, with that stupid look on his face, that Mark Baum realized the whole world economy might collapse. Oh, brilliant. And uh, I really urge you to go and have a look at the movie if you haven't seen it yet, The Big Short. So what is this genius, this man who went where others refused to go, um, Steve Eisman, what does he think about Tesla? Not very much, I'm afraid. This week, Eisman, the managing director of the New York investment management firm Neuberg Bergman, visited the Bloomberg studios in his hometown. People who love Tesla like to point, they like, like to say he's a genius. And from my experience over the years, there are a lot of smart people in this world. Um, but just because you're smart doesn't mean you execute well. And so far, he's not executing well. Um, he's building a whole bunch of cars in a tent. He's negative cash flow. He's at war with his safety regulator after the, um, the unfortunate uh, crash for his autonomous uh, driving car. Um, and, he's, and he's lost a tremendous number of executives over the last two years. Those are all negative signs. Now, maybe he can pull it out. But as of now, it seems to me all the fundamentals are pointing negatively. And there's some really peculiar behavior elsewhere. Do you factor that in when you I have do. to create a short thesis, or is that separate to, to what you're walking us through at the moment? Um, I, don't, I factor some of that in. I factor more in that after the autonomous driving accident, he announced two weeks later that he was no longer cooperating with the National Safety Board. I thought that was a very poor decision. The other stuff uh, I listen to, but I don't pay that much attention to let's talk about the execution of this short how difficult is it to execute how expensive is it just walk us through the it's sort not of, an the expensive, fundamentals it's not an expensive short Are you, it's a very liquid stock you know you you could put the position on and <laughs> before you go out and get a cup of coffee and come back so it's the easiest thing in the world to either buy tesla or short it elon musk talks about um stormy weather in shortsville quite often is there a risk that you do get that surprise to the upside and all of a sudden the position gets wiped out. Steve, is that something you account for? It's, of course. I mean, you have to size it appropriately. It's a very, very volatile stock, so it's not the biggest short in my portfolio. Um, but, you know, I, I think the stock could go down about 30%. 30%? Yeah. Is there a bigger short out there for you then? If it's not the biggest short in your portfolio. Well, it's, it's not the biggest short because of the volatility. Interesting. Volatility is, is wild. And the stock tends to move on nonsense. So, you know, just for, I like to sleep at night. So I've sized it in a way where I, it's, it's, sleep is still possible. Could you explain what you mean by that? That's a word I use when I lecture and people go, what? 
What do you mean when you say sized? I'm looking at it as called portfolio sizing, but what do you mean when you say sized? Well, first of all, I, I, my philosophy of investing generally, longs and shorts, is that no position should be so large that your career is at risk. So, you know, as I said on the TV, you know, my biggest long position is four percent, a little over four yeah. percent, and my biggest short position is about three and a half percent. My smallest short position is about one and a half percent position. You know, Tesla is is sized more towards the the, the, the smaller end of the scale, um, not because I don't think there's a lot, there isn't a lot of downside. I do think potentially there's a lot of downside, but it tends to be an extremely volatile stock. And what tends to happen with stocks like that is your day gets consumed completely by that one stock. Yeah. And when your day is consumed by one stock, you can't think about the rest of your portfolio. And so I try to avoid situations like so that. So just to be clear here, the team here at Bloomberg has reached out to Tesla for comment. Um, representatives for, for Tesla have not immediately returned a call for comment on this uh, position of yours, Steve. Is it about the space that Tesla is operating in, or is it about Tesla? Do you think there could be winners in this space? Because quite clearly, Elon Musk is having a very difficult time rolling this out in mass production. Well, look, I th- I think when you look at the um, the car space, the real future is going to be <clears throat> autonomous driving. You know, he's gotten big in the electric car space, but I really think that we're leapfrogging now towards autonomous driving. And the two largest players in autonomous driving are Google and GM. And as far as I can tell, um, Tesla is a very distant party in, in, in that space. So who are you going to believe? The Colombo-like financial investigator who called out the CDO naked emperor or the South African-born super entrepreneur who ignores those whose money keeps him because of their bonehead questions? This great money matchup between Eisman and Musk. I know where my money would be. This has been The Rational Perspective. Until the next time, cheerio.